Is there anyone in opposition to the petition that would like to speak? Anyone in opposition? Adam, you see anything? Hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. At this point, I recognize Councilor Scarpelli. Oh, Councilor Pierce. Oh, sorry, Councilor Pierce. And then Councilor Scarpelli. Okay. Councilor Pierce. Thank you, Mr. President. I just wanted to um, <clears throat> thank uh, Adam and Reverend Wendy and everyone else who spoke. Um, I just wanted to add that there were a number of letters from members of our community uh, attesting to Mr. LaRusso's. Um, both skill and also devotion to our community. Um, and I think that those testimonies speak volumes. So um, I'm, I'm supportive of this tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Pierce. Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I know that um, uh, I had a great discussion, discussion with Mr. LaRusso, and I too received uh, a lot of correspondence from our residents in supporting of a very fine and respected young man. Um, I, you know, I w in our discussion, I, and I know Mr. LaRusso would speak on any question that people had, uh, would like to offer. I know that um, the questions I had from people that were a little nervous about when you hear a tattoo parlor that's coming to your neighborhood, the things they fear are these uh, uh, frightening um, uh, pictures of artwork that depict violence or sexual things in sexual nature and it, it really scares a community and I think that uh, Mr. LaRusso and I had a great discussion and um, you know I believe he put it his, his 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 it sounds like an artist studio for the body and uh, understanding that it's by appointment only that the building will be unassuming I think that uh, you know the biggest uh, questions that, I, that we talked openly about being across the street from the church uh, there was some there might be some negative uh, uh, concerns with that but he reiterated his deep faith uh, and um, his support to, to the to the church and making sure that uh, whatever he does as a business here in Medford that it's done with class and with respect for that neighborhood and um, again I um, he he hit all the buzzwords for me that you have a well-respected individual that has the total um, best interests of all of the neighbors and making sure that he is putting forth a classy and respected uh, organization in this community. So um, I know that uh, we, we uh, typically do move, uh, request to move this to a committee of the whole so we do hear from other residents and making sure that um, that there's some concerns that if they had they can listen to a very uh, educated and eloquent individual that can speak on behalf of his art prowess and um, realize that he is really uh, uh, in a, could be an important piece of not only the West Memphis community but I think a model for other neighborhoods that are looking to bring in uh, the body art and the tattooing industry. So, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Scarpello. We have Councilor Morell, then Vice President Carriello. Councilor Morell. Um, thank you, Mr. President. If I could, through the chair, just a question for Mr. LaRusso. Um, there's those big, beautiful windows on the property there, um, previously filled with antiques, but I do know your 
neighbors, potential neighbors at Bistro 5 take a more uh, kind of subdued approach to the windows. So I'm just curious what you envision for those big windows um, if you, when you want to have that space. Sure. Um, so <clears throat> am I on right now? Yes. All right. Um, so I, uh, pretty assuming, I don't want to have anything flashy. I think one of the reasons why I'm opening a private studio as opposed to continuing to work in a, a very well-respected tattoo shop um, is to have something that is very small, very intimate, very unassuming. Um, and so I don't, I don't even plan on really putting much artwork in them, to be honest. You know, there would be a sign with the name of the shop, um, but very simple, um, very clean, um, and that would really be it. Okay, yeah, thank you. I know, um, and I know this is not what you're proposing, but I, I think some people's fears stem from the fact of thinking they someone's going to wander up to the window and pick out their tattoo and go inside. So I appreciate, oh, you. No, totally. <laughs> I appreciate you clarifying that. No, of course. And I, I totally understand where people's um, hesitations come from. Um, so again, any, any questions, I would definitely welcome them because I want to make sure that um, not only am I granted uh, so graciously the opportunity to do business in Medford, but people know that um, I am going to be contributing um, as um, like an actual uh, member of the community. Uh, it's hard for me to speak because I uh, tend to be pretty humble, but I actually am a very well-respected and sought-after tattoo artist. Um, I have people traveling from New York to Florida to Chicago, I guess not right now because of COVID, but um, you know, I, I tattoo members of the, the Patriots um, to members of the clergy. I work with a lot of different people and um, uh, I have such a gracious opportunity to have such a great client list that the whole point of doing this for me is to again, do something that's very small, intimate, unassuming, relaxing. So people don't actually have to deal with a tattoo shop that's you know probably more of what you would think of like a very loud, buzzy place. This would be the complete opposite. Uh, again, intimate, unassuming, small, uh, appointment only. So I just wanna make sure that that's clear. Great, thank you. Thank you, Council Morrell. We have uh, Vice President Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. And, um, and again, I'll reiterate uh, what some of the other councilors uh, have brought up. Um, if, you know, uh, there's a church and a school right across the street from you, so um, you know if, if you could if you could keep your establishment as tasteful as tactful as possible, that's about the only, only thing I can request uh, of you. Um, I'd also like to, um, if we can get a report on the status of the other uh, facility in West Medford that we voted on last year. Are they coming? Are they not coming? Or uh, and, and have that uh, so, uh, so when, we, when we do have a community hall, we, we, we'll know what, what the status of, of that studio is also. So if you can make that part of the paper, Mr. President. Okay, so I'll, we'll make that, um, why don't you do a B paper for that, okay? Yep. So on the motion of uh, Vice President Caviello, seconded by? Second. Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Marks. Thank you, Mr. President, and I want to thank Mr. LaRusso for expressing uh, interest in coming uh, to our community. Uh, I just had a couple of uh, really quick questions. Uh, what would his uh, staff consist of? Uh, thank you, Councilor. So it would be just me. Um, I would be the only working artist. Uh, I have toyed around with the idea of possibly hiring a front desk person for a day or two uh, during the week, more so to help with the administration. 
Um, so sending emails and whatnot, but that's another thing to share is that I would be the only uh, sole artist, so just me. And uh, would your establishment consist of strictly uh, tattooing or would it be body piercing as well? It would be strictly tattooing. Okay. And uh, I'm sure you're familiar, you said you work for uh, a current tattoo establishment? Yes. So I'm sure you're aware of all the proper protocols and procedures for the um, uh, placement of uh, syringes and needles and, and anything else associated with your business, blood, uh, and any other uh, bodily fluids that are associated with uh, your particular business? Yes, sir. Uh, very much so. As a, a self-proclaimed germaphobe, I am very well aware. And actually, uh, I was speaking with Sophie in the health department, actually had a couple suggestions on uh, ways to possibly update the health code and actually be even a little bit safer. Um, I pride myself in not just creating good tattoos and a good experience, but third and just as important as those things, uh, a safe experience. Um, because not only is it my reputation, but it's also someone's health. And I take that incredibly seriously. Um, and I, I pride myself in always watching when I'm in a tattoo space, things that could be improved upon. That's something I take extremely seriously um, and would 100% continue to do so. Not just maintain status quo, but always improve and stay up to date on anything that's coming out in the industry that could make people safer. I can 100% assure you that is very important to me. And what would you anticipate your hours of operation to be in general? Sure. Um, so it would probably be in the 10 a.m. to 6 p.m.-ish range. I'm sure that if someday I ran a little bit late, maybe 7, um, but not really early in the morning because it's difficult to make appointments early, and uh, I tend not to like to work late. So I would assume somewhere between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. with an hour, give or take. Are we looking at how many days a week? Um, most likely four, with the possibility of five. Okay. But currently four is what my preferred schedule is. Okay. And if you were to know there was another establishment that existed within 100 yards from your establishment uh, that does the same type of tattooing, would that discourage you from going to this location? Not at all. Um, to be completely blunt, uh, it, I, I don't really care <laughs> if there's another tattoo shop. Um, because of what I do is so specialized, and um, again, I may so my, say so myself quite humbly, because I'm so sought after, I don't think it's really going to affect my business. Um, the interactions I've had with the landlords of 507 High Street have been brilliant, um, and I've been really excited to not be working, not only be working with them, uh, but be near uh, folks like Wendy up the street at Sanctuary um, and Colin who spoke earlier. Um, and so it, it wouldn't deter me at all. Um, I, I, I tried to do a little bit of research and I actually have never heard of them, which is strange because I'm pretty up to date on uh, local tattoo communities. So um, I'm sure I might reach out just to introduce myself, but that, that would be it. Just like a friendly neighbor, hello. Right. Well, uh, and I appreciate that. And the reason why I bring it up is because Council Vice President Caviello brought up a very valid point. Uh, we, this council, approved uh, a, a tattoo parlor uh, probably a, 
100 yards, 200 yards from the establishment that you're looking at. And, um, you know, I think it's unfair that uh, that hasn't taken place yet, and most people have probably forgotten about it. Uh, and here you are, a new establishment coming in. So I think it's uh, important to know what may eventually or already has been approved, but may eventually pop up next door to you because people sure. make business decisions based on that. Uh, you know, a number of factors, and that could be one, proximity of other like establishments and so forth. Um, and maybe that's something we have to look at as a council when we uh, issue a special permit that, you know, I believe, uh, as Council Knight mentioned, and he'd probably know better than I, that uh, it's good for up to a year, which uh, sounds kind of excessive, uh, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, I, I think that opens up a lot of different doors uh, when you have things hanging out there and you're not sure what may or may not go in there after approval. Um, so that's something we may want to look at uh, as a council. And my last thing is I have to admit I am a little jealous of Reverend Wendy's tattoo. And, uh, uh, you know, if she's willing, maybe she could show us some more of her tattoos um, uh, because that was pretty impressive. Um, but uh, I wish you Thank well. You. Thank you. And uh, I wish you all but good luck. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, if I may, just to add on to a comment you made, Councillor, um, I am 100% ready to go. Um, so obviously, there's, you know, I need to do a final health inspection walkthrough. But other than that, I'm ready to get in there and start paying taxes. So. Uh, <laughs> If, if you folks will have me, I would love to be in there as, as soon as possible. And uh, I'm really, really excited to be part of the Medford community. You know, I'm third generation Medfordian, and uh, this is like very exciting for me. So uh, thank you for hearing me. Thank you. We have a couple more questions. Councilor Knight, then Councilor Morell, Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. LaRusso, thank you for coming this evening. I'd first like to start off by saying that um, your abilities, nor is your character in question this evening. Um, I got a phone call from a dear friend of mine, Chris Murphy, raving about your character and the type of person that you are um, and his opinion that you'd be a great fit in Medford. Um, and that goes a long way with me. Um, you know, personal relationships that I have with individuals in the community and the, uh, their opinion mean a lot. And I'm certainly no prude, I have tattoos. Not too happy that I got them when I was a young kid, but I got to live with them. They're forever. Um, um, and I think that you're well aware of the concern that some people in the neighborhood have and some people in the parish have relative to the location of the studio and the aesthetics that um, may or may not be present there um, upon opening. And um, I do have a specific request, and I'm, I'm hoping you'd be willing to entertain it, um, would be that you conduct a community meeting with the neighbors and with the residents in the parish. Um, to explain to them exactly what it is you're trying to do down there and um, what direction you're looking to go in. Um, you know, I certainly have no uh, issue with the tattoo shop in West Memphis Square. I voted for one just a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, Mr. President. Um, I, I'm, I'm no prude by any means, um, but there are certain concerns that have been raised by my neighbors. Um, I live in the neighborhood. I live within walking distance. Um, I've heard about this application before I knew about it when it was coming across our table, um, and it's been an issue of concern for some of the residents that, that live down there. Um, so I'm asking um, with the hope that you'll be willing to conduct a community meeting or an open house of some sort um, to, to allow people to come down so you can explain to them what it is you're doing, what it is you're trying to do in the neighborhood, and um, address some of the concerns that may have arisen. 
Um, ultimately, because this is a special permit that's before the council, we do have the ability and the right to attach special conditions upon it, so on and so forth. I'm not thinking this is going to be, you know, a tattoo parlor that has, you know, vulgar pictures hanging in the windows right across the street from a church. That just doesn't no. fly anymore. You know what I mean? The, no. the, the days of those type of tattoos are over. Um, this type of art form is transformed from, you know, bikers and uh, bikers, veterans and people in jail to, you know, everybody. The barista at the Starbucks has a tattoo. Now. <laughs> the, the Reverend in Sanctuary Church has a tattoo. Everybody has tattoos. They're commonplace. They're normal. Um, you know, but um, that doesn't alleviate some of the issues that have been brought up to me. So I'm, I'm asking that you do that. I'm on your own. I have no problem supporting this this evening. Um, however, I would ask that you uh, at some point in time uh, prior to opening conduct just a small meeting with uh, residents and the neighbors and members of the parish um, to tell them what you're doing and to kind of explain to them what your aesthetics are going to be like so they ha don't have um, any fears as to um, any type of uh, imagery that may be offensive um, to the practice of their faith. Of course, that I would 100% not just be willing, but love to actively do that. Um, it sounds like, uh, as you were saying, you're not just um, hearing things from other people, but you also live in that area. And um, if, if you would like to reach out, uh, or I could reach out to you, maybe we could connect and you could help me get in touch with those folks. And somehow we could set something up, whether it's in person or in Zoom, whatever people are uh, most comfortable with. And I would love that. Um, because again, I don't want to just, I don't want to just get in there uh, and do business, but um, be some sort of a light in the community. I think that's something that's really important about art, um, and hence the name Last Light, um, is that uh, art has always been um, something really important uh, in humanity. Uh, it provides light, it provides uh, love, and a reminder that we are all connected uh, in, in some bigger way. Um, so. I would be honored and love to have some sort of a, a either meeting, whether again, whether it's Zoom or whatnot with folks, um, not just to uh, like make them just, just okay with it, but uh, answer any questions and uh, hopefully teach them something new. Uh, that would be an awesome opportunity. I'd love that. And um, Mr. President, I just asked that we put a 90-day review. Um, on it just to be sure that you know he, the meeting happens and if any issues pop up we can bring them back in and sit down and talk about what we can do to resolve them um, it's not a mechanism or a vehicle for us to come and yank your license away from you after three months or anything like that Adam I don't want you worrying okay. about that I appreciate that Thank what you. it is is it's a mechanism for us to uh, address some of the concerns that may come up during the first months of operation so that we can come up with a plan so that uh, you can live harmoniously with the residents of course Thank you, Council Knight. So that is an amendment by Council Knight for a 90-day review. Council Morrell. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, yeah, I just have one more question thinking about signage. I'm, um, and this, I, I support this paper, so this is an, um, uh, kind of an uh, inhibitor to that. But talking, so you mentioned signage in the windows. I know there's currently just kind of the, the larger signage on the facade that exists at the current space. Do you imagine you'll be using that as well? And will that... Um, Will it say last light? Will it say last light tattoo? I'm just thinking this other um, permit we did approve. I'm, I'm just thinking about if someone driving through High Street, they see this tattoo place, they see that tattoo place, and maybe what <laughs> the envision of West Medford. Um, I'm just trying to think out loud and, and understand what this might look like um, in total, assuming that other tattoo place also um, establishes. Of course. Um, so actually, I was thinking about that just the other day when I was speaking to the landlord about the signage. And just to clarify, like above the glass, there's uh, 
like bigger signs for yep. every business. Is that what you're speaking about? Yes. Yeah. Of course. So um, I would put the the last light name, but I was actually considering um, not putting tattoo. Uh, again, I think it's important for me to be unassuming, um, especially because it is appointment only. It's actually probably going to be easier for me, especially it's appointment only, and I would be the only person working there to not have a bunch of people like knocking on the door or something. I don't foresee that happening because I'm gonna have proper signage in order to indicate to people that if they are interested to check out the website and that it is appointment only. Um, but I don't necessarily want to advertise that way. Um, I think uh, I've done a great job with word of mouth and just my reputation to be able to advertise that I don't really need the sign um, to actually read tattoo. So that was actually something that I was probably just going to skip over. Um, and uh, hopefully that also alleviates any concern uh, about having like it obvious that this is another tattoo shop. Yep. It would probably look more like somebody was driving by somewhere between like a yoga studio and an art gallery. <laughs> um, not so much a tattoo shop by any means. Okay, great. Thank you. And, and I thank you for entertaining that question. I do support the of paper. Course. I just know that, you know, there may be questions that we get from the community um, later on. It's just making sure I can address those properly. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for asking. Thank you, Councilor Morrell. Councilor Bears. And uh, Adam, not to, uh, you didn't come here for business advice, but I'll, I'll give a little marketing advice anyway. <laughs> Given your market, it might add to the brand exclusivity to do that. So I think um, it might be a smart decision all around. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And that's, that's part of the consideration. So I appreciate your encouragement. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Bears. Okay, any other questions? Okay, the chair awaits a motion. Motion approved. Okay, on the, on the motion of Councilor Knight to approve as amended by Councilor Knight and seconded by Councilor Bears. Clark Hurtabies, please call the roll. Should get Deacon Rumley to get a tattoo. Mr. President, is there a B paper? Sorry? Vice President Carabello have a B paper? Call Deacon Rumley. Oh, yeah, is it? Is yes, it? there's a B paper. There, we have a B paper from you. Do we have to vote on that first? You had a B paper. We had to vote on that first. The B paper is for a report on the status of the other uh, the other tattoo studio that the council approved. Okay, and that was seconded by. That was uh, Vice President Carviello, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Okay, on that motion, the B paper by Vice President Carviello, seconded by Councilor Scarpelli. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. 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 Seven. The affirmative is zero, and the negative. The mash. The the motion passes. On the main paper. On the motion of Council Knight for approval, seconded by Council Bears, Clerk Herdebees, as amended by Council Knight, Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. For approval as amended, Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks? Yes. Council Morrell? Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco? Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Adam, congratulations and good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Mr. President, motion to revert to the regular order of business. A motion of Councilor Pierce, seconded by Vice President Caviello to revert to the regular order of business. Clerk <coughs> Hurtabies, please call the roll. 
Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative. Zero and the negative. The motion passes. We will now revert to the regular <laughs> order of business. National grid. That's a continuation. It's a continue. Correct. Yep. Hearings 20-600, petition for grant to location, National Grid Gas Main Locations, Medford, Massachusetts, City Clerk's Office. This is a continuation of a public hearing. Uh, we uh, met with um, it was National Grid uh, back a few weeks ago, and uh, they were going to come before us tonight, and I think update us with a few um, Question, we uh, had a number of questions for them. And let's see, we have uh, Diana Cuddy with us. Hi, Diana. I'm going to unmute you right now. Hi, good evening. Good evening. And we also have, let's see, do we have a... Tim was Tim, here. Tim McGivern was here. Let me see if he's... Let me see. Oh, there he is. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> okay, Tim, I'll unmute you as well. Okay, so we have a, uh, we have a number of, um, and I believe we received a memo this week also from uh, the city engineer regarding, was it uh, point number 12? Am I correct? Right. Do, do you want to talk to that, uh, Tim? Sure. Okay. So. The memo was an update after the, I believe it was the first hearing with National Grid. Um, I uh, spoke to MWRA shortly thereafter uh, to go over the schedule um, and ultimately that ended up in uh, a, a summary that is thus, basically MWRA, um, they need to start at the beginning of, uh, of spring because of the nature of their project. So. Um, the lag time between when National Grid finishes their work and MWRA starts their work is going to be either eight months or 20 months. So with that said, I uh, revised my recommendation on uh, number 12 to um, a uh, mill and overlay restoration, uh, which would be pretty typical, um, you know, a six to eight foot, four to eight foot um, swath depending on the pavement for the run of uh, of the work so if, if there is that 20 month lag we'll have um uh we'll have a pavement that will last that 20 months so when mwa comes in obviously they're they're going to dig the street up again and then they'll resurface the whole thing curb to curb uh, any any of the questions about that And I believe. So, Mr. President. Council Marks. So, so last we left off, Mr. President, is that uh, legal counsel from National Grid was going to speak to our uh, acting city's the solicitor regarding uh, some mitigation, and uh, I'm very eager to hear uh, what the results have been, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Marks. Diana, could you speak to that, please? Sure. Yes, of course. Um, yes, we had a meeting on Friday. Um, our, our legal counsel, our the, uh, staff engineer that designed the project and is working with MWRA's project manager, um, and Tim 
and the acting city solicitor, Kim Scanlon. Um, and basically, um, Tim can correct me if I'm wrong, but we uh, came under, uh, came to the agreement that the, we will do the, National Grid will do the video inspection of where our um, proposed work is going over the uh, city's infrastructure uh, to use as a baseline. And then um, once we'll review that over the winter and work with Tim to see what the next steps would be, um, whether that's if we have the, the spot open, they come in and, and uh, repair something that's in disrepair. Um, anything we break, of course, we would fix if that's the case. Um, and then we understand the paving because of the lag time now with MWRA that we would do that. Um, they would uh, reimburse us for that. And um, and then I guess every um, then at, beyond that, uh, we were w requesting that the council be amenable to removing the remaining conditions uh, that so that uh, that the ones that um, were, are above and beyond that. And the city solicitor was in agreement with us. So, so Mr. President. Council Marks. So, um, <coughs> yeah, I'm a little disappointed that we've waited this long to get that answer uh, because that answer does not address what this Method City Council has requested in regards to mitigation, Mr. President. And if we have to rehash this, I'm willing to go over it again tonight. But this council requested that some mitigation be put forth by either the MWRA or National Grid regarding the curbing uh, on that stretch of Riverside Ave. And uh, we were told that originally uh, they weren't willing to do the whole project. I think this council stood up and said, we're not looking for you to do the whole project. We're looking for you to set aside some money that we as a community uh, can put into uh, bringing the curbs uh, up higher than the street where m much of the curbing is level with the road and very dangerous for pedestrian uh, safety uh, in that particular area, Mr. President. And uh, now we're hearing that uh, as part of this project, uh, it could be uh, a lag of up to eight to 20 months. So they may start the spring of 2021 and not finish for 20 months out, Mr. President. And what they'll do is put down a binary code uh, coding, uh, or whatever it is, uh, so that we can ride on it for 20 months while it looks like, you know, a pile of you know what. It, it, it doesn't make any sense, Mr. President. This makes zero sense. Why would we want, as a community, want to sit on a construction site for 20 months? and the residents that have to live there, Mr. President, when they open their door and face that, Mr. President. It just makes no sense to me at all. I'm very disappointed that National Grid's not willing to step up, Mr. President, on a project of this size uh, and help out the community in regards to mitigation. Um, they pay mitigation, Mr. President. Don't, don't, there's no bones about it. Legal or not legal, they pay mitigation, Mr. President. So, you know, if that's the case tonight, they don't have my vote, Mr. President. They're not going to move forward my vote. Other members of the council may see fit, but we uh, got zero out of this project. Nothing but inconvenience for the residents, Mr. President. And don't, don't forget, this started out with doing construction during the holiday season, and then they pushed it a little further back. 
and now we're hearing there could be a 20-month lag in between. How does that benefit us? How is it benefits their schedule, the MWRA and National Grid? How does that benefit the city of Method on a major thoroughfare in our community? It doesn't, Mr. President. And if they're not willing to sit down and talk mitigation, they don't have this council of support. And I hope my other council colleagues stand up too, Mr. President, on what's right on behalf of this community and its residents. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Councilor Bears and Councilor Scott Kelly. Councilor Bears. Um, and this is to Ms. Cuddy or, or Mr. McGivern. What is the cost amount we're talking about in terms of potential mitigation like uh, Councillor Marks just mentioned? Um, Tim, do you want um, mitigation, in my opinion, is like mitigating something that restoring it back to um, its original or, uh, condition or acceptable <laughs> condition. So we are, um, because of the MWRA's lag, in getting in right behind us um there's a hopefully it won't be the 20 months but um so we would restore the street would just be like a typical main relay where we would come back in restore the pavement to the condition that it was in before or a little better um and then they would come back in after us they would do their work and then um you know they would do the curb to curb restoration and um the benefit would be you know, this, the city has um, new infrastructure there. The MWRA has, I'm not exactly sure on their exact details of the project, but Tim can speak to that. Um, so there are some benefits to to, um, to the city for this. And I just wanted to mention again, we were, we were asked to move our stuff for the MWRA to come in and do this major project that they have. So, um, uh, you know, it's, we're really, our, we're being driven by them. This wasn't a main relay we were well, anticipating doing. Point of information, well, Mr. Yeah, President. We have point of information, Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, my definition of mitigation may be a little different. Um, restoring back to how it was is a given. That's what happens on every utility project in this community. Every utility project, they're required to, stir, uh, to return it back to the way it was. Mitigation is going over and above, Mr. President. We're asking over and above. We're not asking to restore the way it was. That's how every project is done. So I, I'm not, I, I think our definition is a little different, Mr. President. And you know, I, it doesn't matter to me that National Grid's stepping in on behalf of, uh, because they have to move their, uh, uh, utility so the MWRA could do what they it doesn't matter to me they're both utilities mr. president and they both should step up to the plate and assist this community thank you thank you councilor marks uh, Council Pierce, you're at the floor. just to answer to get an answer to the question what's the difference between the cost of the full curb to curb resurfacing and the patching that you will be doing I, the difference in cost I don't know I'm so sure, if Mr. McGivern has an answer. That, that I mean, I can an estimate. Back, yeah, back yeah. of an estimate. We're talking about the difference between milling and overlay the full width of the road, which is 20 some odd feet, versus uh, milling and overlay the, the trench patch. So the trench patch mill and overlay is somewhere between typically five and eight feet, depending on the condition of the pavement surrounding it and whether how close or not to the curb it is. So uh, I can't give you um, a cost estimate based off of uh, this information that I'm telling you now. Um, we'd have to take a much closer look at it and you know, what would be required. 
Um, if full rebuilds need to happen places when they do the final resurfacing, I don't know. Um, so. Are we, are we, I mean, are we talking a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars? It's not, we're not talking seven-figure million dollars worth of work. No, I mean uh, it, the order of magnitude is it's, it's more than double, if that's helpful. So more than double the cost for a full resurface versus um, less than half of the width of the roadway. But either way, it would be under a million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it would be. I think it would be. Yeah. All right. Um, and Miss Cuddy, what was the annual profit of National Grid last year? Um, gross or net? I know um, our annual profit. We have to give. I think it's something like ninety percent into um, renewable. Like figuring out better ways to do, um, you know, zero carbon. I don't know what their net their their net profit or gross profit was though. I think it's in the billions of dollars. And then where is National Grid headquartered, the, the international headquarters? England. In Waltham, Massachusetts. No, um, no. But I did want to say that... Um, no, there, where is National Grid headquartered internationally? Well, the headquarters is in Waltham, Massachusetts. But where is the corporate ownership? Where do they live? England. We're owned through by a UK through the UK, but the corporate headquarters is in Waltham, Massachusetts. Got it. So there's like billions of dollars in profits from a foreign company and we can't spend less than a million dollars on a street in Medford. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Pierce. Council Scott Pelley. So uh, again, Mr. President, I'm sorry we're going down this hole again, but, and Ms. Cuddy seems to be the, uh, the spokesperson that has to take the brunt of this, but I just, I find it amazing that it has to be National Grid that comes before us because of an MWA problem that then reflects back to a National Grid problem. Why aren't we sitting together with National Grid? Why, I mean, with, with MWRA, uh, MWRA, why don't we have all of the parties together in a room that they can understand what the constituents, what the residents of Riverside Ave have been hearing that is absolutely frightening them, to the understanding that close to two years, they're gonna look at a major, major concerns that they're gonna be dealing with for 20 months, possibly. So th this, is, this is why I can't support this because we still haven't gotten the answers for this counselor to go back to the constituents that live on Riverside Ave and talk to those people and say, we've, we've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and this is what we're going to have and this is what's going to happen because this is a major project. So I, I, I don't know if Tim can answer this. Ms. Cuddy, I'm sorry, but we haven't talked to any representative from the MWRA and this community gives a lot of funding to that organization and we need to get their representatives here so we can talk to them and say, what are we doing? Why can't this be done simultaneously? Why can't we look at the mitigation for the curbs where it's a city, it's MWRA, it's National Grid working together to make sure that we can use all three entities to fix a problem that could go away if there's a way to work together. Maybe it's not a million dollars for National Grid. Maybe it's a third. Maybe it's a third for the city of Medford. Maybe it's a third for MWRA. But we haven't talked about that. All we keep trying to do is push the same 13, 14 points that keep coming back that's not appeasing. Forget about me, because honestly, I, I, I live in North Medford. I live in the Heights. 
I, I, the people that are there every single day that when they heard 20 months now is absolutely frightening. So can anybody speak to that? So yes, I can say our, our portion of the project, we would be done in six weeks. Um, so we would start excavation, do the, the main, main relay and do the paving that Tim mentioned in six weeks. Okay. Um, the other piece I just wanted to mention is, um, and if you wanted to see the letter that our legal counsel set up, it cites uh, uh, SJC state law that, um, we, so this type of project, because this isn't a new main, it's a main replacement, these costs go back to the ratepayers. they go into the rate case, and yep. we are legally obligated to keep, to, to not have like above and beyond what the cost of the construction is um, so it's a it's a legal obligation on our part for this particular type of, um, of work well and I can, I can understand your, what you have to do for your position but you also have to understand what I have to and we have to do in our positions Ms. Cuddy that Tim I think is what conversations what discussions have we had with the MWA that that is, is this something that we could do that, that we're talking about a 20-month project that has to be approved by an organization, National Grid, that's saying they're only going to be here for six weeks. They see, it seems like they're going to be in and out. But then the other organization that has nothing to do with this permit right now, it's going to take 20 months possibly. Can you, can you help us so we can answer the questions to those residents? Tim. Sure, yep, to the chair. Um, it's not a 20-month project, it's a 20-month leg. So they need to be able, MWA needs to start in uh, the beginning of the construction season so they can complete by the end of the construction season. So their start time for the year is a spring. So if it's not next spring, eight months away, then it's the following spring after that, 20 months, um, and so, so on and so forth. So. Um, it's just a lag. It's not the project. So during those 20 months, there's no construction happening. Okay, so, so that, that's the fear that when you hear. Now, to, to, an, to a traffic engineer, a lag sounds perfect. To uh, Mrs. Smith, who lives on Riverside Ave, who's 74 years old, that only place to park is her driveway, Tim. This is what I'm saying. I'm not trying to cause any, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to find a way that we can say, okay, so the way, the way it sounds, it's coming out, National Grid's gonna do six weeks of work, rip up the road, leave, and just go over it with, you know, overlay, and then the residents are gonna have to deal possibly up to 20 months with, with the delays with this type of road that they, they have to drive on, walk on every single day. President, I can address that? Yes, um, please, Tim. Sure, uh, so the, the, the service restoration that National Grid would do under this scenario, um, from my understanding of Riverside Ave, I've driven it a couple times recently um, to, to understand a little bit better for these conversations, uh, it would be significantly better than what's even there today. So I think um, doing a grind and an overlay, that's, that's a legitimate uh, resurfacing job. So okay. that, you know, that lane or half of Riverside that is done after National Grid does their six weeks of work. It's it's not just um, it's going to hold up for the twenty months plus. I mean that's what okay. usually we would see for final restoration in some streets. Okay. So it, it's kind of up there with final restoration. It's just not the whole road because it wouldn't make sense 
really to have National Grid do a curb-to-curb um, mill and overlay because MWRA is coming back at some point in the beginning of a spring to open up pits so they can do their lime project and, um, and things like that. So um, at, at that 20 months, there's no construction during that, that 20 months. Say that the lag is 20. It could be shorter than that. It could be eight. Okay. But if it is 20, then we'll have a street. It's not going to be the, the pothole-ridden street that, that you're... Uh, you know that we might be envisioning it's going to it's going to be nice smooth pavement okay. for a, a chunk of it the chunk that national grid works in so that piece is going to be nicer than the rest of riverside avenue okay um and, but unfortunately then mwr will come in and, and uh dig it up and then grind it and then and, and repave so um just to, to set expectations that 20 months you know that's not construction that's just uh regular riverside avenue Okay, so I and that, thank you for clarifying. Like I, like I said, that's one of the biggest questions I've been fielding, and I think I I, I, I concur with Council Marks that maybe there is uh, maybe has they had it that we had a discussion with all three entities to say you know Ms. Cuddy says that the amount of what a uh, mitigation with how much money they're putting into it it doesn't equate, but is there has been discussion where the three entities have worked together to try to fix a wrong. That is Riverside Ave curbing. Just in that, especially for me, that locust turn, and probably up to the next, um, the next intersection, the next street. Like I said, I don't think it's it's monumental. I don't think it's all 1,400 feet. Uh, you know, so I, 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 you know, again, I'd like to hear. You know, that we could have that conversation to to try to fix that wrong. So thank you. Thank you, Council. Scott Pelley, Vice President Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, uh, you know, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, beating this back and forth. Um, I, I kind of feel bad for National Grid because this isn't their project. It's, uh, it's, it's an MWRA project, and MWRA is nowhere to be seen or heard of it. I say we don't have any more discussions on this until the MWRA comes up, uh, set up to the table. I mean, you know, the, the, again, uh, they're doing this uh, at the request of uh, uh, of the MWA. They're not. This isn't their project, and and and, and we and we're killing them. It's it's, it's, it's really not fair. And uh, I say, uh, uh, at at the next meeting, or uh, that this go no further in, in, until the MWA officials come before us, Mr. President. Thank you, Vice President Carriel. Um, Mr. President, the notes I have say so. Why don't we move to have a committee of the whole with the MWRA and National Grid over the project of mitigation? I mean, ultimately, National Grid wouldn't even be here if it wasn't because MWRA yeah. asked them to. And um, you know, as I looked at the heat map just a couple weeks ago, the map that allows us to um, take a look at the gas leaks in the area. You know, we've had a significant number of gas leaks along that street that were going to remain on that street as gas leaks. National Grid admittedly had no intention of coming down there and repairing any of those unless they really had to, unless they were grade one gas leaks. Um, you know, so I'm looking at this project and I'm saying to myself, you know, National Grid was never going to come here unless I'm the MWRA asked them to. Now that they're coming here, they are going to make repairs. Okay, that's all well and good. But this isn't about the project. This is about mitigation to the residents in the neighborhood that are going to be forced to put up with the construction that's going on down there, right? So the, the one question I do have would be for the city engineer, and it's, you know, is there a code relative to a safety code or a building code or a construction code um, relative to sidewalk and curbing height in relation to the street? And if there is, 
when we're allowing these public utilities to come in our community and restore them to equal or better condition, we're really letting them come in and establish something that's not up to code. Right? I mean, if someone were to come into this building, when we built the new police station, we had to make sure that it met the seismic requirements uh, that were necessary uh, for a building of that nature. We had to take into uh, consideration the floodplain and, and all these different other items when we were building a new building. Um, when we renovate buildings, um, we talked about the renovation of uh, certain homes in, in, the, in the community, and we have to bring those homes up to code when they're given a building permit. So I guess my question is, is there a code relative to sidewalk height in relation to the street, and why are we allowing public utilities to come into our community and restore them to the condition they were in and not up to code if there is, in fact, a code? Which there probably isn't. That's why we're letting them do it. Tim, would you be able to address that? Yep. Uh, thank you, President Fuckle. So there is codes associated with ADA accessibility, and uh, there's also guidance and, and all kinds of um, case law. So if something is not to code and it's within reason for them to fix it, a utility company that, that, that exposes it, say for example, there's a sidewalk panel that's cracked and it doesn't have a, a, a pimple pad on it, which a lot of people call those truncated homes, then yes, we would ask that when they put the sidewalk panel back that they install one of those to bring it up to code. So it's a question of reason. So when we look at it and we say, you know, this infrastructure is getting dismantled, when they put it back, is there anything reasonable that they should be doing to get it up to code? Um, now, of course, there's nuances to this. So existing conditions fall under the code as well. So if you have slopes that that are out of code but to repair those slopes would have you chasing grades up the street for example that could be deemed unreasonable and an expense above and beyond what the legal obligations of the utility entity are so um, we do look at that so for this particular situation um, and I know we have talked about it in previous hearings the city is looking at opportunities to improve this particular block of curbing. I've looked at it a couple times now. Um, so, you know, there is, um, and I've also been looking at sort of what the obligations are, what the rules are, um, and, and, and Councilor Knight, as you know, I have community mitigation sort of on my to-do, and we're trying to figure out how to, how to do that. Um, so, you know, j but just from a straight opening the street and then returning the street, uh, we, we do have statutes to work from, we do have sort of understandings of what's reasonable and what's not reasonable. And those are the lenses that we really try to look at these projects when we're, when we're trying to, to ask, you know, for certain things. Uh, and and it, you're right, can we get, you know, can we get it to code, ADA code, pretty reasonably in the project if they're opening it up anyway? Um, or is it something where it's unreasonable to bring it up to code? So we are, of course, um, looking at, at that sort of thing. If, it's, if they're not working on the sidewalk and the sidewalk needs design work and it has rippling implications for raising it, then we do need to go through a design effort. We do need to um, you know, take a look at what all the implications are of, of, of that particular stretch of curbing. So it is definitely not as easy as just 
raise the curb and 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 make it better it um requires some careful design and there isn't a code that says what height the curb should be it's more of standards so the city has a set book of standards that we look at when anybody does any road work in the city that we're going to ask them to meet and um in terms of the you know the the real the the the, the gorilla in the room, the elephant in the room, whatever you want to call it, MWRA. Um, have you sat down with MWRA and discussed, um, you know, the further criteria of the mitigation agreement or the requests and recommendations that your office has related to their project when they come on board, or is this still a little premature for that? It's, uh, it's not premature. Um, so we have been talking to MWRA about this project for some time. Uh, we've met with them. Um, I don't know if we've actually had all three entities, City MWRA and National Grid, all in the same meeting or call, but, but we have been referring to each other and, and the bulk of the conversation with MWRA has been what their scope of their project is. It's not just Riverside Avenue, it's a couple of other places in the city. Uh, and also to the restoration work that MWRA is, is providing, uh, they, they, you know, they worked with us on that. Um, again, they, they fall under the same set of obligations as uh, any other utility company opening our streets. Well, Mr. President, I think um, at this point I'm very comfortable um, echoing the sentiments of Councilor Scott Pelley and Councilor Caviello that, you know, the city engineer just said it. These three parties haven't even been in the same room. Um, so I would suggest uh, an offer in the way of a motion um, that we have a committee of the whole with the MWRA National Grid as well as representatives from the administration to discuss this permit and mitigation. On that motion, offered by Council on Knight. Second by Council on Scarpelli. Clark Hardeby, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven, the affirmative, zero in the negative. Uh, this, uh, Motion passes, and uh, I will schedule a committee the whole. If not, it might be President Caviello that does in the next term, just, be, just because we're out of time uh, in the month of December. Uh, but um, but we will schedule a committee the whole on this, uh, hopefully sooner than later. On the on the main paper, is, uh, is there a motion to put on the table or? Okay, and the motion to council marks the table, the main paper, seconded by. Seconded by Vice President Caviello, Clerk Hardeby's, please cover the hall. So that, so you you move committee the hall on your table in the main paper until the until it comes out. Is, yeah. that, is that the resolution? Okay. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seventy affirmative. Yeah. Then I get the motion passes. It was um, Councilor Mark seconded by Vice President Carvio. Motions, orders, and resolutions 20-660 offered by Councilor Morell. Be resolved that the Memphis City Council request a briefing on the administration's newly established Commission on Parking Policy and Enforcement from the chairs of the Commission, Jim Silva and Laurel Ruma, and be provided an explanation of the purpose of the commission as well as the due date for the commission's findings report. Councilor Morell. 
Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, I believe this paper speaks for itself, and I'll let the um, chair speak soon. And I apologize that the second item on the agenda took us till 10 o'clock to get to, but I know they're very much used to these meetings, um, so I thank them for their patience. Um, but I'm the, the council um, rep on this commission, and there's a number of community members and business owners who've been working very hard, um, regular meetings, weekly meetings, and doing a lot of work out in the community to um, move forward a number of issues around this. So um, I'll hand it over to Jim and Laurel to speak on this more. Thank you, Councilor. Uh, Hello, everyone. My name uh, is Laurel If I may, one minute. Councilor Knight. Um, just a couple weeks ago, Mr. President, um, similar item came up on the agenda, and um, we discussed uh, that it's very important uh, when we get updates from uh, bodies, boards, commissions, the administration, that these updates uh, are provided to us in writing so that we have that snapshot in time, so that when the item comes up again at a later date, we have something to compare it to, Mr. President, and I'd hope that that um, still stands. Yes. Um, so if, uh, if you're going give to give us an update tonight, could you also please give it to us in writing um, if, if that would uh, if that would be greatly appreciated, just so we have a uh, I guess a point of reference as to what we spoke at uh, during the meeting. Uh, absolutely. So uh, my name is Laurel Ruma, 149 Burgett Avenue. Um, and just for clarification, this is the first time we've been before the council on this issue. So this is an establishment of the commission, not necessarily an update. But going forward, it's noted and we will provide them in writing. My uh, co-chair is Jim Silva. Jim Silva, 115 Yale Street. And uh, the two of us have been appointed by the mayor to develop a, as well as other members of the commission. Um, and the purpose of the uh, parking and po parking policy and enforcement commission is to um, go by her uh, purposes of establishment. And so for the purpose of the record, it'd be good to go over her founding of this commission and why. Um, and uh, this is all public record, but again, we'll, we'll put it in the package for you. Um, Mayor's Commission on Parking Policy and Enforcement. I hereby establish this committee, the Mayor's Commission on Parking Policy and Enforcement for the following purpose. One, to evaluate the city of Medford's current policies pertaining to on-street parking in residential, commercial, and industrial areas. Two, to evaluate the feasibility and efficacy of area-wide parking policies as it relates to the MBTA Green Line extension scheduled to open late 2021. Three, to study the fees currently assessed for on-street parking in the city of Medford, including meters, passes, and permits. Four, to study the methods of parking fee collection in the city of Medford. Five, to evaluate the city of Medford's current arrangement of parking enforcement to wit, the outsourcing of parking administration and enforcement to a third-party vendor and six, to make recommendations of the policy changes to her honor, the mayor, if necessary. The commission shall be comp compromised of the following individuals or the designees if applicable. One resident, resident appointed by the mayor to serve as chairperson, you get two, uh, no fewer than three residents and or business owners of the city of Medford appointed by the mayor. A member of city council, which is Councilor Morrell, and the chief of police of, uh, of Medford and or his designee. City staff shall be made available to the commission to assist with completing this charge. The commission is directed to begin work immediately and submit a report to the mayor with the recommendations by March 31st, 2021. This was signed by the mayor October 5th. And from that point on, um, Jim Silva and I have um, been part of this commission 
and the, main, the members of the commission are the following people. Um, many who are still on the call, thank you all very much for being here, including Maury Car Carroll, Pam Cirillo, DJ Benigno, and Nicole Morrell, uh, Jeffrey Mung, Sakaf Rama, Fred Roche, myself, Laurel Siegel, and Jim Silva. And the police department representative has been Sergeant Hartnett, um, as well as at times the chief himself, which has been very helpful. So our charge is, as the commission is to look at what the current parking situation is now, how it can be improved for both business districts and residential, as well as the fees, etc. So we are currently meeting every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We welcome any public input um, to these meetings. We have divided ourselves up into two committees. One committee is focused on residential, one on commercial uh, business. And uh, the status so far, the residential meeting has been to reach out to neighboring communities to get an understanding of their parking situations. Um, we are uh, a differing and complex community, as we all know. Um, the important part about the mayor's charge is to really look at the areas that are surrounding the MBTA, um, the new Green Line stations that are coming in. And that's at College and Boston Avenue near Tufts University as well as Ball Square. Um, so although we are not um, only looking at those two geographic areas, we are looking at the rest of Medford uh, for uh, residential parking program, um, that our main concentration is this area, which we are, uh, as Jim and I are also the mayoral appointees for the Greenland uh, Extension Committee as well, um, greatly concerned that these particular neighborhoods will be severely impacted by folks coming in uh, to take the tea to town eventually. Um, the business committee, uh, subcommittee, is uh, doing this excellent work uh, talking to um, businesses that uh, have ideas and brainstorming and, and various suggestions on what to do about business parking. Um, they have also, uh, we have also all created this, this survey that we have sent out to businesses through the Chamber of Commerce this is now publicly available on the, on the city of Medford's website. We strongly encourage all businesses to take the survey. We are actively looking for feedback from every single business in the city of Medford, whether or not you are in a parking center, whether or not you have a meter in front of your business or not. Um, we, we do want to hear from as many businesses as possible. As you can imagine, the pandemic has made it difficult to reach out, um, you know, uh, uh, meeting as many people as possible. So what we're trying to do here is reach out through uh, public forums such as the City Council on the City of Medford's website, as well as uh, through the Chamber and um, basically handing out flyers where it's safe and applicable to talk to businesses. Um, we will also be doing a residential parking survey. So we, we do want all residents of Medford, whether you have a business or not, whether you own a house or not, we would love to hear everyone's opinions about the current parking situation in Medford and how it can be made better. The link to the survey is available on the City of Medford's website. Uh, and I'll stop here if anyone has any questions for Jim or I. Councilor Morrell, then Councilor Marks. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Laurel, do you know um, where specifically on the website um, the link to that survey could be found? Share that. Yeah, so it was just posted. So it's on the city news and announcements from December 4th. 
but the title is Mayor's Commission on Parking Policy Enforcement, Seeking Business Input via Survey. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Council Morrell. Council Marks. Uh, th thank you, Mr. President, and I want to thank uh, the two chairs, Laurel and Jim, uh, for their dedication to this community. Uh, they've been involved with a lot of different projects, and uh, this, this project is a big undertaking. Um, I sat on the original Parking Enforcement Committee back some, I don't know, probably 10 years ago now, and at that time it was a large undertaking, and they're taking on uh, in addition, the Green Line extension and some other issues that uh, citywide permit parking and some other issues. My, my question to the two chairs is uh, if someone's interested in a particular subject, uh, as you know, there's a lot involved with from enforcement to uh, districts to meters or kiosk and, um, you know, how we're going to enforce things. Uh, if, if someone uh, is just um, interested in one aspect, how do they know? when that will be brought up are they allowed to get on to the wednesday meetings and just bring up any subject or is there uh, an agenda that you follow and talk about just certain items H how does that work thanks uh councillor because we are acting on behalf of the mayor as a, a city commission we do have public meetings with public schedules um posted ahead of time we offer time at the end of the meetings for any public comments so honestly, we are not uh, progressing in a linear form. We are sort of taking all issues as they come up, um, which sounds like a massive undertaking, but we only have three months to complete our report as of now. So um, if anyone is interested in any of those particular, particular issues, whether it is meters or private ways, <laughs> uh, we, we are welcome to, uh, to come in and bring it to the commission uh, pretty much at any time. So, so how, uh, as a commission, are you publicizing your meetings, um, and are they uh, well attended over the last, you know, several weeks since you've been meeting? Uh, meetings are posted on the uh, city website, or the event calendar. Um, uh, I would say no. Probably folks don't know that we are operating it. There's a lot of commissions going on in the in the city right now, and um, we are. Um, just looking to to pretty much get our our name out there as well and really encourage folks that are interested in parking to come to the meetings and or reach out to uh, Jim and I we have all of contact information also available so so is the expectation at some point uh, that you're gonna have uh, you know like a full-blown uh, public hearing uh, where residents will be invited um, to hear recommendations and give input is that is that the ultimate um it's possible um you know it's um it's it's within the realm of possibility um, i would say right now we are very focused on getting as much information as possible for the recommendation for the mayor's report um the mayor's charge was fairly specific so um we also have a number of previous uh parking studies that have been done as you said 10 years ago and more recent so uh, ideally we would like to get to a place where we have public input as a large meeting yes right. it will not probably be in the next month right and, and just if i can give a word of caution I, I think that's one thing that could get in the way of this whole process is that uh if the public input is held and i'm not saying this is the case but if it's held to the end uh you may get a lot of um, you know, animosity and people thinking they've been left out of the process 
And so somehow, and it's a difficult, I agree with you, there's a lot going on in the community. Uh, somehow I think it's important that, uh, you know, public hearings be set up uh, along this whole process um, and not just wait till the end. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll leave that up to the committee, but I, I would highly recommend that uh, in the interest of uh, transparency and so forth. Thank you. Thank you, John Marks. Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President, and thanks, uh, Jim and Laurel. Uh, you guys always step up to do uh, do these big tasks that no, no one else wants to volunteer for. All right, thank, thank you for your, uh, for your help. Um, is, is there any uh, discussion amongst your group um, with uh, life after Republic Parking? I know their, their contract is coming up, coming to the end uh, very soon, and is there any discussions uh, on, um, on, on that? At this point, uh, we have not had those kind of discussions at all. Basically, we've interviewed uh, to uh, go over procedure process and actually the tools needed uh, and specifically what could be identified as enhancements. We're here to make recommendations. So enforcement is one of these recommendations we'll be doing. So we need to know what products are available to the city. And so most of this has been like a data gathering situation where we're trying to define specifics of process. Has, uh, has, Re has Republic Parking uh, been receptive to uh, suggestions? They have been very receptive. They've been open. Uh, we've, uh, we have a, a person who's administering all of these uh, interviews, Pam Cerullo, who has done a fantastic job. And they are available. Uh, we have a meeting with them, and then they're available for any questions, any updates. So they've been very forthcoming with information. Yes. So I, 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 are you tackling, um, uh, I would think probably the two problem areas would be South Mifflin and the Hillside area. Are, are those your, your two biggest areas you're working on at the moment? They are the GLX areas, quite honestly, so yes. and they're some of the most densely populated areas. So parking is resident parking and business parking is on, are on people's minds, so yes. Is there, is there any talk of bringing that, uh, uh, that parking back on Boston Avenue where they, uh, along that GLX line where they took them all those spots away um, from Lake College Ave down to uh, um, the Dunkin' Donuts? We recently had a conversation with uh, Rocco DiRico who is also the Hillside uh, representative for the business. Uh, we're, again, asking the businesses what works, what doesn't work, et cetera, what their needs are, what their employee parking needs are, all of that data information or gathering. Um, I think that's sort of a secondary aspect, looking at parking, seeing what's available, what the needs are. So ultimately, I'm, I'm certain that we will come to some sort of realization of our needs. Thanks, Jim. To address that specific concern, obviously there's still a lot of construction happening between Tufts and the GLX. Um, so it's it's on a, a larger roadmap to be discussed. Yeah, uh, well, um, I, I not think necessarily my, uh, looking at every yeah. street. My question was, uh, you know, on, on Boston Avenue, we're, we're from we're college down the, they used to be all parking along this strip uh, that's now uh, gone. Um, yeah. Probably, probably representative so the, 30 or 40 spots. Uh, are those spots going to be brought back after the train station uh, comes in? 
Uh, there's discussion about what will happen to those spots. I, I can't say for sure. It, it, it's in flux. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Vice President Carroll. Uh, we, we have a Council of Bears has a question, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go on to Mari. Uh, Council Bears. Thank you, Mr. President. Not a question, just a comment. I want to thank uh, the chairs and uh, the members of the commission for taking on this difficult project, and I look forward to seeing what you come up with. Thank you. Thank you, Council of Bears. Okay, we have, uh, let's see, Mari Carroll. Mari, I'm trying to unmute you. There you go. How's that? Are you in? Perfect. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone. I, I, I just have to tell you, I'm, I'm so delighted to be on this commission, number one, of people that just get it and they care about the city and, and, and want to do the right thing. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing ever is in the beginning. But, you know, we, we have taken in and we're going basically door to door in all the, I, I, I chair for the business community. We, we, we've been in Haines Square. We're about to go into West Medford, Medford Square, in the hillside. We've had all the reps out of the chamber to, to do the right thing here. And we're gonna come up with something. And I'm gonna tell you, you guys, everyone knows me that's sitting on that council. It's not gonna be perfect, but you know, we're gonna retweak it to make it right. You can only do the best you can. And the mayor has put together a commission led by Jim, Jim and Laurel that they're doing a great job and be with us, work with us. We're gonna work with everybody else and let's do the right thing here. And also, I hate National Grid. So, you know, <laughs> four and a half years and it was my doorstep. And uh, get rid of that. George, they show up at 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at all your constituents' uh, front door at, on Riverside Ave. So tell them to get ready. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Keep the kind words, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, as always. You know that. Thank you. Um, Jim and Laurel, thank, thank you for all your hard work with us. Amari, thank you for your hard work as well. If someone wants to reach out to either of you individually, is there a contact or is, is, is there an email address? There is. It's commissionpe at gmail.com. So commissionpeteredward at gmail.com, P-E. We also have a phone number, area code 339-221. 7027. And again, all this contact information is also on the website. Our meetings, other than this week, because it is the start of Hanukkah, um, this week's meeting is Thursday at 3 p.m. Uh, the Zoom information link is on the city's website. Other than that, um, the public meetings are held Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Um, we welcome the public. Uh, and then one other piece of business is that everyone should know that the Green Line meeting is happening and the public meeting is happening tomorrow night. Um, you can sign up to the MBTA's website to attend the meeting, but it'll be an update meeting of what's happening. Um, and we, Jim and I would be happy to come back before the council and give you an update on the Green Line as well. Great. Thank you very much. Oh, and John, and John yes. everyone knows how to get a hold of me. 
<laughs> yes, we do. Thank you, Marty. <laughs> and if I, if I may, Jim and Laurel, um, I believe a while back there was a parking study that was done. I think it was when Chief Sacco was leaving and Chief Buckley was coming in. Is that something that you're looking at? Yeah, actually, we're using that as a baseline, one of our baselines. Uh, it has specific numbers, it has specific focus, so yes, we're using that. And it is available for anyone to view. Any information that people want to review, just contact through the email and we'll send you a link. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for all your hard work. Uh, any other questions? Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President. Councilor Marks. Just one question uh, regarding uh, the scope. Uh, does it include recommendations regarding uh, taking the parking service in-house as well as removal of the kiosk? Will that be okay. things that uh, the Commission works on? I, what, what we're doing is we're getting recommendations from the public, though the public response. Um, what we're gathering also is cost involved in other communities. We're asking specific questions. So we're hopeful when we submit our recommendations, we'll also have an opportunity to have some sort of implementation process with a, a rough estimate of cost, et cetera, if you're to change things out. And very basic, very, very minimal, but at the same time, it will give the implementation folks an opportunity to focus. So the answer to your question is we're looking at that. We're getting the, re the results of public input in regards to that. So, so your ultimate recommendations will include um, uh, looking at uh, whether or not to take in-house or to uh, look at an alternative from the kiosk? I think it will be easier for folks to make that decision based on the information we're able to compile and sort of the direction of the report will sort of be telling on the decisions that need to go forward. So yes. So, yeah. it's, it's, a, it, it's a say that everything's on the table is, um, you know, it, it's a complicated, as you know, topic. Um, the current parking in Medford is street by street for parking for residents. Um, and then some business districts have uh, parking kiosks and enforcement. And so, you know, the issue is, is if we want more enforcement, then we'd have to look at the entire program anyway, because we have X amount of enforcement officers. So one decision then triggers many others so yes we are looking at um, what it looks like to have the current parking program what it looks like to have parking across the city what it looks like to have zoned parking i would say probably the one option that's not on the table right now is no parking enforcement whatsoever if i could just jump in one more time yes uh, michael uh, I, I am looking for the city council to give us a huge bond <laughs> to support this whole program. <laughs> so, so How's the, that? That sounds like a good idea. Uh, Mr. President, if I could. Council Marks. So I, I just want to understand. So this commission will be making recommendations from what I'm hearing sometime in March. Uh, that's when the mayor asked for recommendations. Um, and then the actual implementation, uh, has there been any discussion about, once recommendations are with the mayor, uh, has there been any discussion about implementation, which is, I would assume, the next phase of this? Uh, correct, there is not. We are charged just to make recommendations. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you, Council Marks. Vice President Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I think Council Marks brought up something about the kiosks, uh, whether they stay, whether they go. Um, if I recall, I think during the discussions, I think we owned them at the end of the contract. So um, the, the question is, uh, uh, do we keep them? I think uh, President Falco and I have, have gone to a couple of uh, shows there, and, and we asked about the lifespan of those kiosks, and they're saying they're seven to ten years. Yeah. And those are going to be ten years. I mean, do we, uh, is the decision made, do we take them and throw them out, or, or do we spend the money to uh, upgrade them and bring them up to uh, a speed? Because cause that, those, are, uh, those are upgradable, and, uh, and I say we, we are going to own them at the end of uh, our contract here. So either we make use of them, or we figure, or we throw them out. Thank you, Vice President Carviello. Any other questions from the council? Comments, questions? No. Any comments or questions from the public? Marty, uh, Marty. I, I just answer the copy what he just asked. I think everything's on the table at this point. Uh, nothing's been decided. We're just getting into operations of both the business community side and the residential side. All this stuff will be coming forthwith. You know, we're, we're on a fast track to do a good job and let's just do it. What we have right now doesn't work. Thank you, Mari. Okay, any, any other questions from the public? Okay, on the motion of Councilor Morell, second of I. Vice President Carviello, Clerk Hernandez, please come along. Uh, uh, sorry, is the motion to receive and place on file, Scott Fulmerall? Yes. Yes, okay, and the motion to receive and place on file. Clerk Hernandez, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Council Knight. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven the affirm, zero the negative, the motion passes. Okay. Um, 20 661, offered by Council tonight, be resolved that the Memphis City Council request a report from the DPW Commissioner concerning brown water in the South Memphis area water delivery system. Council tonight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. I don't know if it's the result of flushing or um, whatnot, maybe some um, underground utility work, but uh, for about, oh, nine to 11 days um, over the past two weeks or so, um, there's been a tremendous amount of brown water in um, South Medford neighborhoods, uh, sometimes actually stretching all the way up to um, the back end of uh, High Street um, over by the river, um, near Mari's restaurant, actually, uh, up the street, more, more or less, though, towards the barbershop and the, the uh, the jewelry store, um, Rollins and VIP. Um, so with that being said, Mr. President, um, I've gotten a number of complaints stretching from Main Street all the way back to the square. Um, so I'm asking the DPW uh, Water Department provide us with an update as to what's going on, why there was so much brown water in the area for such an extended period of time. Um, you know, a lot of people were a little upset when they were trying to make the mashed potatoes and uh, they ran the water and it was brown on Thanksgiving. So I'm just hoping we can get some uh, clarification and address some, uh, some concerns, Mr. President, as to what's going on. Okay. On the motion of Council Knight, second of President. Oh. Council Marks. Uh, if Council Knight wouldn't mind amending it, I got a complaint recently about the top of Governor's Ave along South Border Road. Same thing, brown water. Uh, the fire department's been out there opening up the hydrants and releasing some of the water. And then within a couple of weeks, 
the water's brown again. They put two cups side by side, and you can clearly see that there's something going on, Mr. President. And so if, if Council might wouldn't mind adding the top of Governor's Ave uh, along South Border Road, uh, if that could be reviewed uh, at the same time, that'd be great. Okay. Excellent. Great. Thank you. On the motion of Councilor Knight, as amended by Councilor Marks, seconded by Vice President Carviello. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Councilor Morell's absent is. from the chamber. Yep. Yes. Yes. Six in the affirmative, zero in the negative, one absent. The motion passes. 20-662 offered by Councilor Marks. Be a result that the Anheuser-Busch Corporation located at Riverside Avenue cut back the tree branches overhanging the backyard of 84 Sydney Street in the interest of public safety. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I think it was about 13 or 14 months ago this council did um, a committee the whole review of the uh, lot of land in between Budweiser and the residents on Sydney Street. Uh, it was all overgrown, Mr. President. The trees, we, you know, we took a, a walk through that whole area, and it was gnarly back there and very dangerous, actually. Um, and um, due to this council and the city administration, with their help, uh, Budweiser actually, because they own the property, went back there and did, a, actually, I have to say, a great job of cleaning up. They left a lot of the mature trees along the fences of neighbors on Sydney, of which uh, they did go out recently and cut some of them. 84 Sydney just contacted me and said there's a big overhanging branch of a very mature tree that's on the Anheuser Budweiser um, um, property. And they ask in the interest of public safety because they're concerned with the wind, recent windstorms that, that uh, the branches be cut back uh, in the interest of public safety. So I ask that this be sent to uh, DPW and the city engineer's office. I believe they're the ones that intervened last time on our behalf. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Anybody, any uh, questions or comments from the council? Second. Any hands up? No one? Okay. On the motion of Councilor Marks, seconded by Councilor Knight. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven, the affirmative, zero, and the negative, the motion passes. 20-663, offered by Council of Bears, whereas COVID-19 cases are spiking across the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, a Governor Baker, Baker has chosen to take no further action to protect the health of residents, and whereas super spreader events have seriously impacted residents of Medford, including members of our city and school staff. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Medford City Council that the city administration explore any and all options to increase COVID-19 mitigation action, actions in the city of Medford and provide an update on any plans to protect Medford residents from COVID-19 community spread no later than December the December 15th meeting of the Medford City Council Council of Bears. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I was heartened today uh, that there has now been action from Governor Baker on, uh, he's rolled us back to phase three, step one, given the concerning statistics, concerning is an under, 
underwhelming word to use. Uh, COVID cases across the state are double what they were during the spring lockdown, uh, both in terms of daily cases and the seven-day average. It's rising exponentially. Two-thirds, 67% of Massachusetts ICU beds are already occupied. Uh, that's closer to 90 to 95% in Rhode Island. Um, tens of thousands of cases and hundreds more, if not thousands more deaths are expected. And we've had some major uh, clusters here in Medford. So yes, Governor Baker reverted to phase three, step one today, um, but we weren't even at phase one when we had half as many cases in the spring. So, you know, it really does present um, some serious health dangers to thousands of, of residents and I would say thousands of residents here in Medford. Um, I would just like uh, an update by next week um, at our September uh, December 15th meeting um, on any actions the city is able to take on mitigation. Um, I understand that it's essential that we follow the state guidelines in terms of phases. We're not going to be able to uh, address the spread of this disease alone if other communities are not doing it with us. But I think there are a lot of steps that could be taken, uh, like a robocall before the holidays to remind people to stay safe, to meet gathering limits. Um, you know, we've, we're basically just now starting to see the Thanksgiving uh, spike in COVID cases across the state. Um, and we don't want to double down over the December holidays. Um, and, you know, we have months ahead, we have the winter months ahead before a vaccine gets distributed. And I think the last thing we want to see is Massachusetts and quite frankly, the entire country, you know, coming into the train station, having just lost more people and had more cases uh, in the past few months than we did in our first spike and second spike earlier this year. Um, so that's really the intent is for both written and verbal update uh, from the administration on anything that they are doing and that, um, you know, any actions that they are taking. And I think to me, a big piece of that should be uh, what guidelines and suggestions are we making to people uh, for how they uh, should, uh, you know, gather or not gather uh, during the holidays. Thank you. Thank you, Council Bears. Any other comments? Mr. President, didn't we vote on a paper that was very similar to this, asking the mayor to appear before us and she agreed to appear before us periodically to give updates? Well, it, it, it's, uh, you are correct, because I remember, I think it was Council Morell's paper. I think she said, peri I think the mayor's response was all, it was periodically. It, I don't think it, became, it came up monthly, it came out periodically. Well, um, I, but it's my understanding yeah. that the statistics data and the like are all uh, compiled on Wednesdays and they, they have their powwows on Wednesdays relative to this stuff. So we'd be getting the week before's information if um, we did that on a Tuesday night. Um, but whatever direction we go and we go on, Mr. President, I just again uh, request that we get this in writing. Um, I feel like our meetings are turning into more, more like television shows and less like meetings. No, 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 I, I understand and I agree. I mean, we should have something in writing. Uh, we definitely do. Um, you know, some sort of an update from the administration. We haven't received one. What was uh, Councilor Morell, if you don't mind, do you know the last time we actually received? I think we got it in October. We didn't get it in November, and then we're in December now, I believe, because I, I believe that the second month was missed. Um, I think also it was, you know, cases were still at least on the lower end, um, so I think needing the update now is more dire. Thank you. Yes, and I... I I um, missed, I did not include it in here, but uh, a written and verbal update is the language I used in 
uh, my next resolution, but I would like that for this resolution as well. And I agree with Councillor Knight for any update that this council receives. Thank you. And, and if actually, you know, if I could actually, Vice President Caviello, if you wouldn't mind coming up, I just have a couple. If you wouldn't mind, I'd like to amend your. Thank you for bringing this forward because I think it is very important. And I think Councilor Morell, I uh, thank you for bringing our resolution forward uh, a few months ago. And I think it's important that we receive uh, you know, periodic updates. We should actually they should be monthly updates, and uh, but we should be notified on a regular basis because I know I, I'm getting uh, all kinds of questions with regard to. I think some of the data, you know, general questions as to you know, and I think a lot of it is education, you know, with regard to. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of uh, questions about, you know, you know, what is the threshold for notifying the community about potential exposure? So if the, if there are, uh, you know, how is a cluster determined? You know, uh, you know, if a cluster is determined, you know, um, is there is there ability to contact Trace or whatnot? So if we could, if you wouldn't mind, if we, if Council Beers, if we could, uh, if I could amend that to, uh, to for the administration of the Board of Health to respond as to. Uh, what is the th what is the th uh, threshold for notifying the community about potential exposure, and uh, how is a cluster determined? And uh, you know, if there is a cluster, you know, in, in the community, especially in the business community, what types of organizations are subject to public notification? Is it restaurants? Is it retail? Is it healthcare providers? You know, I mean, how do they define that? I mean, th there's I've been getting a lot of questions about that type of uh, uh, thing and. Or, Questions like that, and uh, and you know, our how does the communication work between the board of health and businesses? You know, are the businesses giving inf given information from the board of health as to what is expected? Now, how is this communicated? Are they getting are they getting a business businesses getting information via email? Is it a periodic email from the board of health? Um, you know that we need to know how that's being communicated. Uh, I'm sure it's being communicated, or I hope it's being communicated. But you know, we need a clear indication of exactly how it's being communicated to the business community. And you know, if last but not least, I know there was an event this weekend at the Chevalier Theater, and um, you know, I think they had about 250 people at the theater, and. Um, you know, my question, I guess, is, you know, did the Board of Health approve that event? I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how that works, but I, I think that we need to get answers on that. Did they approve the event? And, uh, you know, it sounds like towards the end of the event, it was modified. So it became, uh, I think the, the person that was uh, performing was supposed to be singing in public, you know, on the stage. And Council, Vice President Caviello, you, you might be able to explain this further, but I think that last minute, at last, at the, it was, they had him perform in the green room. They were room. operating about at 10% capacity, um, and um, they had uh, all the safety protocols in, in advance. And I, I think at the last minute, uh, either the Board of Health or the Department of Health stepped in and made them change to, um, I think the band was on stage, but the actual performer performed in another room. Yeah. 
So he and he was on like uh, like a screen in front of in front of the the, the, the 250 people that were in the auditorium. So yep. I don't know if that was either to our board of health or the Department of Health made that recommendation. I can't. And then that's a clarification I'd like to receive. Right. I, I think you know if if I could amend the paper further to find out who approved the event originally and who requested the modifications uh, to the event. I mean, uh, from what I could tell from the from the research I did. I think the tickets went on sale in October, um, and the event was, I believe, it was uh, December fourth. I think this this past Saturday, and it sounded like there the, was uh, three or four shows. Okay, and the event and the event changed, I think, right beforehand. So, yeah. if we could get some clarification on that, I'd greatly appreciate it. And thank Councilor Beers for bringing this forward, and uh, move approval. Uh, Mr. President, if I may, and, and um, I support all of those amendments, and that was actually kind of more my intent with this next resolution um, but I'm happy to have an amendment on this resolution wherever wherever it needs to be what does enforcement mean that's really the question I have here you know and it's I'm gonna talk more about it on the next item but there's just rumors and and po postings online and I think we've all seen some of the less factual ones that seem to have been out there recently um, you know we need clarity what does enforcement mean? How is that being communicated? And is it being, you know, administered equitably across, uh, you know, everyone in the community? So um, I support uh, Councillor Falco's amendments, and that's my intent with both this resolution and the next resolution. Thank, Thank you. you. Any questions? Uh, the motion by Councillor Biz as amended by Councillor Falco. Second by. Second. Seconded by Councillor Box. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Kerry. Oh, actually, you got to go last. Councilor Knight. Yes. Thank you. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Because you got to. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. There we go. Seven affirmative. Motion passes. Oh, uh, if if I could, while I'm out of the while I'm uh, on the council floor, it, it would be okay to suspend the rules to take a few uh, resolutions out of order. Yes. Uh, on the motion by Councilor Falco to suspend the rules. Second by Councilor Scarpelli. The clerk, please call the roll. All right. Councilor Bears. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Councilor Knight. Is the motion to table the rest of the agenda? It's to, <laughs> to suspend the rules. <laughs> while, while President Falco is uh, off the floor. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the floor. Off the podium, he has no resolution on him. You know, he's not All right. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco? Yes. Yes. Vice President Carvio? Yes. Five in the affirmative, two in the negative, motion passes. 20668. 20668, offered by President Falco. We resolved that the DPW install mock parking spaces on Governor's Avenue from the intersection of Governor's Ave to High Street to Terrace Road in the interest of public safety. President Falco. Thank you, uh, President Carviello. Uh, I've received a number of calls from uh, business owners down in Memphis Square 
regarding the uh, traffic, the parking uh, on Governor's Ave and how uh, it's become quite dangerous uh, throughout the day and uh, park, cars just kind of parking anywhere. So um, in the, for the, just in the interest of public safety, if we could uh, have uh, marked spots, uh, parking spaces um, on Governor's Ave from the bottom of uh, Governor's Ave and High Street up to uh, Terrace Road uh, in the interest of public safety. And if this could be forwarded to the um, uh, Traffic Commission for their uh, approval as well. Move approval. Councilor Knight. Um, are, these pres are these parking spots right now, are they business only, Mr. President? Uh, I think just regular parking. Just regular parking? I don't is... even think they're marked. They're, just they're, not, marked. they're not marked. They're not marked. It's just wide open. There's a one, I believe, handicapped spot uh, yeah. in front of Zero Governor's Ave. Yeah. Two the most, but I know there's at least one. Is it the sponsor's intention to reserve these uh, no, it's just for business no, permits. It's, or? it's basically just this for me. It's just public safety. It's just from, from what I'm hearing. It's just out of people control. People can't park, so they gotta need lines. Yeah, I mean, okay. just you know, so cars have specific spots. Right now, it just seems like it's a I free for all. Too. Yes, Mr. President, I vote in favor of this. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, the motion of uh, President Falco, seconded by Councilor Knight. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Marks is absent. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Six in the affirmative, one absent. Motion passes. 20669 offered by President Falco. Be it resolved that the DPW remove the trash in between the address of 205 and 243, Fellsway West, in the interest of public safety. President Falco. few wooded lots on the Fells Way and there was everything from mattresses to computer parts and uh, thank you to the DPW uh, I think they removed almost all of it but I walked by the other day and I think there's like a small like box spring that's still there so if that could if that could be uh, removed um, uh, as soon as possible uh, greatly appreciated it just it really makes the area look really run down um, so if we could just kind of keep that clean, and if the uh, DPW could attend to that as soon as possible, greatly appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Council Biz. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I took the liberty of looking at the property database, and all of those lots are privately owned. None of them are owned by the city of Medford um, oh. or state agencies. Um, so I'd like to make an amendment, if acceptable, that uh, DPW at least explore. Um, I, don't, I don't know what our options are here. Clean but it, clean it. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. That's the that's the phrase I was looking for. Um, explore the liens on on their tax bills to address the condition of the property and the fact that the city had to come in and clean it up. Thank you. Council yeah. Knight. Move approval is amended. Uh, the motion by President Falco is amended by Councilor Biz, seconded by Councilor Knight. Mr. Clark, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Yes. President yes. Vice President yes. Seven in the primitive motion passes. We're under suspension, Mr. President. The records. <laughs> <laughs> motion to revert to the regular order of business. On the motion to revert to the regular order of business is by Council of Bears, seconded by Council Scarpelli. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. 
Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Two zero six six four offered by Councilor Bears. Be it resolved that the Memphis, uh, by the Memphis City Council that the City Administration provide a written and verbal update to the Memphis City Council no later than the December 15th meeting uh, of the Memphis City Council regarding enforcement of the COVID-19 health and safety rules and regulations at local businesses or large private residential gatherings and generally if the city will pursue civil or criminal investigations of alleged violations of COVID-19 health and safety rules and regulations. Council Affairs. Thank you, Mr. President. Very similar to the discussion we were just having. Um, I think it's really important uh, especially given the surge in cases and as we've seen rumors flying about uh, across the city about various clusters um, what is the city's policy around enforcement uh, how is it being forced enforced and I'm not encouraging or discouraging any specific you know type of enforcement I just think it's very important that residents know uh, what the city is doing around health and safety rules and regulations. I think the most important thing is that we're helping people to understand the rules and regulations and how they can be followed before any violations occur. But obviously, um, if messages are going out with organizations being named or people being named, um, I think it's important that uh, that policy is blanket policy and applies equitably to any situation or any case uh, where uh, such a communication is deemed necessary. Um, so, and I'd also like to know if there's anything ongoing. Um, I know that the word investigations has been thrown around a little bit recently, and so um, that's uh, that's the motion. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Bears. I'd like to offer a B paper, Mr. President, on this. I um, mean, it, it builds right upon what Council Bears was talking Council about. Council um, It's yeah, it's it's the the, the narrative and the, the the spin that's put on certain issues. Um, you know, I, I'm offering a B paper asking what the criteria is for a robocall. Um, over this past week, we all got robocalls uh, concerning certain business establishments in this community. Um, that was the only robocall I ever got about a business establishment. I've never heard about any other establishments ever in this community that have ever had any type of outbreak or any type of um, contract tracing. Um, so it's very concerning to me, Mr. President, um, especially based upon the current circumstances in the economy, um, where one out of five is unemployed, where we're seeing a lot of small businesses closing. Um, you know, I think sometimes taking a deep breath and thinking a little bit before speaking makes a lot of sense. I know I'm certainly guilty of uh, not doing that a lot of the time. But um, ultimately, I'd like to know what the criteria that's being used is for a robocall notification to the community relative to COVID clusters. Is there a, pro a, a policy or a protocol? Is it just, you know, when I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it or, or, or what? I mean, because I, I think that, you know, every action has a reaction and the reaction that the community has can be very damaging to small businesses if our ducks aren't in a row and our facts are not accurate. Thank you, Council and Knight. Any questions from the Council? Concerns? Any comments? Uh, anything online? No. So we'll take the B paper first, offered by Council and Knight on the B paper. Offered by Council and Knight, seconded by. Councilor Scott Pelley, Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. 
Yes. Council Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco? Yes, seven the affirmative, zero the negative, the motion passes. Unmade motion offered by Councilor Bear is seconded by. Councilor Morell, Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Councilor Bears? Yes. Vice President Carviello? Yes. Councilor Knight? Yes. Councilor Marks? Yes. Councilor Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Falco? Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. 20 666 offered by Councilor Bears and Councilor Morell. Be resolved at the Method City. Be resolved by the Method City Council. That you skipped 665, Mr. President. They, oh, they skip Very good thing. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if we're putting me at the end, I'm. <laughs> I'm sorry. The note. Uh, 20-665 offered by Council of Beers, whereas nearly 2,000 Medford residents have tested positive for COVID-19, and hundreds have sadly died due to the disease. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Medford City Council, Council that the City Administration establish a commission for the construction of a COVID-19 memorial in the City of Medford. Be it further resolved that the commission, uh, that this commission can begin to meet after at, after the conclusion of the COVID-19 state of emergency, but may meet earlier at the discretion of the city administration. Council of Bears. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, I think one of the greatest tragedies of this pandemic is that we haven't been able to mourn people that we've lost, uh, either to COVID-19 or to other you know causes of death uh, during this pandemic, um, and. From what we know uh, from past incidents like this, and there's actually been very little that's happened as quickly as this has, um, the COVID-19 death rate is faster on a daily basis than any war in the history of the United States. Um, but the Civil War is an example of, of a very similar lack of being able to mourn, and it impacted uh, people's lives for a very long time. Um, so uh, I, I, the intent here is that we would have a memorial of some kind to the pandemic, to the people who we've lost, and also to people I think who uh, may suffer the rest of their lives due to the disease. Um, but I don't want to say put any timelines on that. I was hoping uh, that we would be discussing this, you know, maybe closer to uh, being on a path to vaccination and on the other side of this pandemic. Um, but I, you know, I put it forward. Uh, as the idea has been discussed and come up, and I think it's just important that we acknowledge that it's something that we want to do as a community um, to acknowledge and, and give ourselves some space uh, to mourn this collective tragedy um, once the pandemic restrictions are lifted. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Pears. Um, I don't any... want to remember this. I want to forget it. <laughs> uh, would any councils like to speak on this? Uh, anyone here? No one has a hand up. Okay. On the motion of Councilor Bears, second by. Councilor Morell. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Oh, sorry, yes. Vice President Carviello. Councilor Knight. No. Councilor Marks. Councilor Morell? Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? No. President Falco? Yes. 4 3. 
For the affirmative, three of them, negative, the motion passes. <coughs> 20666, offered by Councilor Beers and Councilor Morell. Be resolved that the Memphis City Council, be it resolved by the Memphis City Council that the Board of Health and Office of Energy and Environment establish a policy that restaurants and other eating establishments uh, only provide plastic utensils, straws, and stirrers upon request of the customer. Councilor Bears. Um, I would be happy to defer to Councilor Morell. Um. Councilor Morell. Thank you, Mr. President. I know it's um, 11 p.m. on the dot, and you guys don't want to hear me talk about plastics, forks, and knives right now, but I, I agree with Councilor Bears that this is important. Um, the pandemic will recede, but the amount of single-use and disposable items that has vastly increased because of the pandemic um, will not be gone anytime soon. Um, we can't avoid the use of PPE, um, but there are things like plastic utensils that um, they take about a thousand years to break down if they ever do. Um, and I know many of us come home with plastic utensils from the takeout um, of restaurants in the area that we're trying to support that we simply don't need. We have utensils at home. so. I think it's just a common sense uh, resolution that uh, just to minimize um, the amount of these that go out in takeaway bags that people may never use and just put in their drawers at home and eventually throw away and they end up in a landfill and never break down. So um, I move approval on this kind of common sense measure. Okay, on the motion of Council Morell, uh, Council Beers. And I would just add that uh, it's actually a cost savings to the restaurants and businesses as well because they're not just uh, giving away these uh, utensils and other materials that they're purchasing and may never be used. Thank you. Thank you. On the motion of Council Morrell, Council Blair, seconded by? Uh, Mr. President. Um, Council Knight. I think during these trying times, um, placing more restrictions and more burdens on businesses and eating establishments is the last thing we should be doing. If I go to Carol's restaurant and I sit down and I want to have something to eat and I say, no, Mari, keep the silverware. I don't want the silver, I want the plastic. Or I can own, you know, plastic by request. I just don't understand it, Mr. President. If they send out a delivery to a, to a house and then, or, or a work establishment, then they get a phone call, there are no forks and knives. Can you bring them back? I mean, it puts an impact on the business. I think that um, when it comes to cost-saving measures and cost-cutting measures, businesses do a pretty good job policing themselves and regulating themselves. Um, and if this is something that they want to implement, they should. Um, but I, I just don't think at this point in time, further regulating, regulating and further burdening businesses, um, especially mostly these are small businesses that do take out business, um, is the right thing to do at this point in time, Mr. President. So for that reason, I'll be voting no. Thank you, Council Knight. Any other questions or comments from the Council? Mr. President. Council Marks. Is this for uh, takeout only, or if it, is it for dine-in takeout? Or Good question. I'm not quite sure what this applies to. Could the Council please clarify? Uh, the intent was for takeout and delivery. Takeout and delivery. Oh, so okay, it's just takeout and de delivery only? Yeah, I mean, I don't, yes, it was just the idea that, you know, sometimes you get 10 forks and knives stuck in a bag uh, and you don't need them. Um, and if you need them, you could just say, uh, can you add forks and knives to the delivery order is essentially the intent. I mean, given the conditions and also the staff enforcement <laughs> levels that we are able to operate in the city, I think this would largely be more of a guidance and a suggestion or, you know, What's I do not wrong? think that we will have someone in every restaurant enforcing the, you know, utensil policy with the severe, you know, restrictions. Um, I think it's more to say, you know, this is something that's easy to do. Uh, you may not be doing it. Um, it helps a lot uh, given the fact that the rise in takeout and delivery is so much higher. You know, there were, when we had full in, in, in restaurant dining, indoor dining, 
most people were getting silverware at the restaurant, right? Now a lot more people are doing takeout and delivery instead of eating indoors. So, you know, usually when you get something delivered or you take something out and it comes home, you have silverware at home, then you have four plastic, you know, forks and knives in your bag too, and they end up being unused or stuffed in a drawer at best, if not just immediately thrown away. Um, so that was the intent of this uh, resolution. Uh, okay, so uh, first of all, so do you want to amend the resolution to say takeout only? Sure, I'd be happy to uh, only provide plastic utensils, straws, and stirs uh, for takeout and delivery upon the request of the customer. Mr. President. Yes, uh, Councilor, let's see, Councilor Marks had the floor and then Councilor Morell had her hand up. Councilor Marks. I, I just want to understand, uh, I, I think Councilor Beers said this would be for guidance. However, it's us asking the Board of Health and the Office of Energy and Environment to establish a policy. Most policies will have some type of enforcement uh, with the policy. So uh, do you anticipate an enforcement onto this policy or is it guidance? Because they're two completely different things. I mean, I think functionally a lot of our policies are not enforced fully. Um, that was just a statement that I was making in general because we don't have the resources to do that. Um, if changing the word policy to guidance um, would make counselors more amenable to moving this forward, I personally would be happy to do that. Um, thank you. Well, I, I'm not sure, Mr. President, if we currently don't have enough resources, why would we add on another administrative responsibility if we don't have enough resources right now to control what we have? Um, I, I just don't know what this is getting at, Mr. President. Uh, you know, if I'm at work and I order a cup of soup and it arrives and there's no spoon, that's a concern, Mr. President. You know, and, and you know, I guess we take for granted that a restaurant, if I'm doing takeout, is going to put the necessary um, uh, things in, in the bag so I can consume my food. And, and part of that may be a straw, a napkin, uh, whatever it might be. And so I'm not, I'm not quite sure what this is getting at. Is this COVID-related or is this outside of COVID? I, I, don't, I don't know what this is getting at. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Councilor Morell. Thank you, Mr. President. I mean, this is in direct response to just the increase of single-use plastics that's come as the result of COVID. There's a lot of, um, you know, Unfortunately, the meals that are not being had inside of restaurants are being replaced, thankfully, by takeout. Um, and there's just a, it's so much more plastic that does come with a cost. It comes with a cost to all of us. It comes with a cost to future counselors introducing resolutions when these forks and <laughs> spoons are on the Fellsway dumped in someone's yard and we want to have them cleaned up. Um, I mean, I think it's, this is actually a fairly, um, some ordering services, this is a common um, selection you can you can select whether or not to have utensils i know a few establishments i frequent in medford actually do have this option and it would be something that again just guidance i i imagine this is guidance as well but something that when you're placing an order um someone on the phone says okay do you need utensils with that as opposed to just throwing a fistful in but again this is not something that we have the ability to really um it's not something we really have the ability to enforce, of course, but I think having guidance that people can look to and say, okay, this is probably a, just a way to minimize waste. I think it's, is there a direct response to the way the pandemic has reshaped the, and, and 
really to um, push back a lot of advances we have made in reusables and now has really increased the amount of plastic trash um, we're seeing, you know, as a community globally everywhere. Thank you. Mr. President. Thank you, Council. We're out. Uh, we have Council Mark. Just, just okay, if I could, I'm, I'm a little confused. If it's something we can't enforce, then why are we asking to, to a Board of Health and the Energy Environment uh, Office to establish a policy if it's something we can't enforce, and then um, only to, to only provide plastic utensils upon request. So you're asking businesses not to provide this unless someone asks you. So I, I don't understand how they're saying in one point it's, you know, it's only, you know, it's, it's, it's just guidance, but they want a policy that surrounds it. And I assume a policy, you know, to me, the better approach would be if, you, if this is a, a cause and something you're interested in, why not approach the Chamber of Commerce and ask the Chamber of Commerce, hey, you know what, we're concerned about uh, the plastic utensils and the number of uh, utensils that are given out, and, and I, I share a lot of those concerns. But I'm not sure a legislative enactment or a policy has to be the way to go about getting the word out in the community. You may have businesses owners that would love to uh, save money, because they're very expensive, by the way. Um, and they may love to save money on that, but I I'm not sure this is the appropriate way of doing this, Mr. President. And, you know, we, we heard for a long period of time, uh, you know, about uh, doing away with straws, now it's you stirrers, plastic utensils, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I just think that there's, there's a better way of doing this, Mr. President. Therefore, I cannot support this tonight. Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Marks. We have Councilor Knight and Councilor Bears. Councilor Knight. Uh, I was just going to ask if Mr. Costas was still on the call from the Chamber of Commerce, Mr. President, but He's I think he not. goes to bed at 930. <laughs> He's not with us any longer. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, thank you. Council Knight, Council of I'd be happy to, I, I would propose that I amend the words a policy to guidance. Guidance. So you have guidance and take out only. Take out a delivery only. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, any uh, Councilor Knight. Has there been a motion made yet, Mr. President? Other than these amendments? Motion to approve. I have the floor, sir. So there was, there was a, couple of, a couple of amendments that were put forth um, by Councilor Bears. Um, so they, there has um, there's not been, uh, no, it, we, it, it came out and it didn't get seconded. Motion to receive in place and file. I moved approval, I believe. Did, do you, I, I, let me check with the clerk. It's offered by both, right? It was offered by both. Yeah, because I moved approval because I moved approval and then Councillor Bears wanted to speak. So I kind of jumped the gun on moving approval. So I very rudely moved approval before he could speak. Is there a second? Okay, so. Uh, Technically, under Robert's rules, once discussion has occurred, there is a second. Bears, I'm just saying that technically, under Robert's rules, once discussion has occurred, it functions as a second. Yeah. So I, I, I have. Um, the councilor Morrell did move approval, but I, I don't have I don't have a second in my notes. So, and, and the clerk doesn't have a second either. Okay. We can put it on file. Just take a vote on it. Either way. Okay. So on the motion, of councilor Councilor uh, Morrell, seconded by Councilor Beers, 
as amended by Council of Beers twice. Clerk Herbies, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Cariello. No. Council Knight. No. Council Marks. No. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. No. President Falco. Yes. Three in the affirmative, four in the negative. The motion fails. 20-667, offered by Council of Beers, Chapter 49, Housing. Mr. Article President, motion to waive the reading. Uh, I would be happy to provide a brief summary. Prior, I was also going to make a motion to send it to the solicitor for review before holding a committee of the whole meeting, but I would be happy to provide a brief summary if... Please do so. Um, essentially, uh, back in January, I filed a paper uh, requesting that the city solicitor develop a framework for an ordinance around regulations uh, for short-term rentals. Um, the acts of 2018 by the Massachusetts General Court, uh, the Mass General Laws, allow the city to implement uh, regulations around short-term rentals, including a registry. Um, this would complement the vote we took uh, earlier this year to charge an excise tax to short-term rental properties in the community. Um, I based this ordinance, which is pretty lengthy as you can see, uh, both on the solicitor's framework as well as um, ordinances in Boston and Salem. But uh, I did, I think, strike a balance uh, different from both of those ordinances um, in this proposed ordinance. Um, for sake of time and the fact that this is one of the last things on the agenda, I would make a motion to send uh, this draft to the solicitor for review and then hold a committee of the whole with the building commissioner, finance director, community development director, and city solicitor uh, after it has been reviewed. Mr. President, similar papers are already in the ordinance committee. Can we Council, Councilor Marks and Council and I, Councilor Marks. Just, uh, why would we send a draft ordinance the city solicitor for review. I haven't seen it. I, I don't know. What it... what, what, why, why would we have the city solicitor look at a seven-page draft ordinance that hasn't been looked at by this council, no recommendations by this council, no public meeting by this council, other than the fact that it appeared on this agenda? Why would we send this paper to the city solicitor for review? Review of what? Review of this language? Is, is the city solicitor now Councilor Marks, I'll answer that. The reason I offered the motion was because um, in 2017, in 2019, and 2020, we've tasked the city solicitor with drafting an ordinance relative to short-term rentals in the community. Um, between 2017 and 2019, there was a series of uh, litigation uh, events and other uh, regulatory parameters that were established um, that created a criteria that would now allow a community to do this. Um, so I know I've sent the solicitor's office at least 
50 pages worth of documentation, a white book, I mean a white, a white page report on um, you know, best practices on how to regulate uh, short-term rentals and the like. And in the last discussion that we had with the city solicitor, um, it was that she was working on a draft, um, still to date I do believe, and um, the reason to send this to her would be to have her review it and contrast it with what she has already worked on to see if there's any items in here that might be left out um, and then present it back to the council for us to review. That, um, that seems like a convoluted way of going about this. It really yeah, does. Six I, or one, I, half a dozen. I know. I appreciate yeah. your, your, yeah. your response, but that seems like a con we're, we're the legislative body. So uh, if this is language that we want to entertain, we should send it to committee, the whole subcommittee, take a look at it, review it. It just doesn't make sense, especially now knowing that the city solicitor may be working on an ordinance at this council's request and then giving her another seven pages saying, take a look at this, unless we think she's doing nothing all day. It just makes no sense to me. I, I, uh, it just I, makes no Mr. sense. President. I, know, I know that, if I may really quickly, um, I know that the city solicitor is quite busy. Um, and I know that- Is that uh, Jonathan? And I, and I, and I know that, uh, I believe Councilor Knight, uh, you were saying you had a uh, ordinance well, Similar to this the ordinance subcommittee just met, um, what was it, last month, and we prioritized uh, several papers that were in there. Yeah. Uh, the first paper, I believe, was um, we had food trucks, we had sick leave bank, we had uh, short-term rentals, we had small cell wireless towers were the, the four top items that we discussed. Uh, there might have been one other in there out of the five, um, but that was, you know, right there at the top of the iceberg from important items that the subcommittee was going to be uh, working on to put out um, as a work product to this committee of the whole as well. Okay. Um, so with that being said, maybe we send it to the subcommittee that's um, working on that as well and um, we could take some of the ideas that are in this and contrast it with what the city solicitor gives us uh, when she does. That's what I was going to recommend is that when it comes back, then reconcile the two and see what's missing and see if there's something that should be put in. Councilor Bears. Uh, just my I understand that Councilor Knight has introduced resolutions on this as well. Uh, the item discussed in the ordinance subcommittee, while I'm not a member of the subcommittee, I believe was the paper we received from the city solicitor outlining a draft framework for a short-term rental ordinance, which is what this council requested in January. Um, as I was the filer of that request, and then we received a draft framework, which in my opinion was still very I, it was more a list of questions than a framework. Um, my assumption from that was that that was the product of the solicitor, and so I went ahead using that framework and other ordinances to draft a draft ordinance. I'm not a member of the ordinances subcommittee, um, and my intent here, you know, I'd be happy to strip out sending it to the solicitor review and just have a committee of the whole on this. That's fine. Um, I just, she was part of the process that I initiated with my motion. She sent a framework. I developed a draft based on that framework. I didn't, you know, I did not think it would be unreasonable to send that back to her considering that she's been part of this chain of events, but I would be happy to adjust my motion just to have a committee of the whole on this uh, matter with the people I suggested. So, Councilor Pierce, is your motion to move this to committee of the whole for further review? Sure, yes. On that motion, seconded by? Second. Councilor Morrell. Um, I do believe when the paper was initially introduced in January, Mr. President, and the clerk may be able to uh, take a look in the records if he hasn't before him, um, the prior paper was joined to it. Was what? The prior paper was joined. Joined, okay. What prior paper are you referring to? Um, the paper from the previous session that, that we were working that's on. That's what I'm thinking of. I remember yeah. there was one that dated a while yeah. back. The paper from the previous session was joined to it. Um, and now the paper from the previous session still remains in the subcommittee. 
and it's never been reported out of the subcommittee. And the reason it hasn't been reported out of the subcommittee is because we're waiting for the doc the information from the city solicitor's office. Okay. So, so maybe so, that's what needs to be had rather than, you know, we, we can entertain new language, but this seems like it's asking for its own separate process. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think, you know, it's, I, I don't know. Second. So there's a motion already on the floor. I just, if I may, yeah. I do not care what process we go through. I want to achieve this goal, which we've been trying to achieve for a while. I'm happy to do that in any way that my fellow counselors want to do. I think that this language reflects good research and it could be a good baseline. I have not seen a proposed ordinance based on the Medford Code of Ordinances. That's why I took the liberty of drafting this as a counselor. And I did not mean any ill intent by proposing it on this agenda or to subvert any existing processes or, or erase any existing motions. So if the council thinks that the subcommittee on ordinances is the place to discuss this, that's fine. I don't know how I will be able to have input on that discussion, but that's fine with me too. I just want to get something done. So um, I will withdraw my motion in favor of the motion uh, on the subcommittee on ordinances. But, you know, there's no subterfuge here. This is just language and research that I did and wrote out to put before the council to try to advance this issue forward. I think it's reasonable. I think it's balanced. I think upon further review, people will find that this is a good approach for the city and reflects the prior motions that have been made around the issue. Thank you. So, Council of Bears, are you okay with withdrawing that motion and sending it to the uh, subcommittee on ordinances? Yes, Mr. President. I, so, I truly did not think these would be the three controversial issues of the night. <laughs> no, 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 no one's saying it's controversial. We're just saying there's an order of how we do business, mm -hmm. Mr. President. If we're discussing an item already in subcommittee or committee of the whole, and to reintroduce something different, Mr. President, on the floor is not how we operate as a council. That's all that's all that's being said. That's not how we operate, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Mark. So Council of Beers has withdrawn his motion to send it to committee of the whole. On motion of Council of Beers to send it to the subcommittee of ordinances for further review. Seconded by Seconded by Council Knight. Ms. Council Knight, did you second? Yes. Okay. On that motion, Clerk Herdebees, please come to roll. Council Bears. There's no one online. That yes. Is. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Committee report. Motion to, table, uh, motion to table subcommittee reports to the next meeting, Mr. President. On the motion of Council Night to table the subcommittee reports to the next meeting. Seconded by Council Morell. Clerk Herdeby, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Caraviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. Uh, the sub Subcommittee reports the table to the next meeting. Public participation. Uh, Andrew Castagnetti, who was with us earlier. I don't think he's still here. Uh, he is not with us right now. Um, but he did speak earlier, so maybe that's. He did speak earlier. Motion to place and file. On the motion of Council on Night to receive a place of file. Seconded by. Oh, actually, we don't need to take action from that, Mr. That's President. That's right. Correct. You are correct. Okay. Last but not least, the records. The records. Of the meeting of December 1st, 2020, were passed to Council of Beers. Council of Beers, how did you find those records? I found the records adequate and with approval. Second. On, on the motion of Council of Beers, seconded by Council A to approve the records. 
Council Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven, the affirmative is zero and the negative. The motion passes. That motion to adjourn. On the motion of Council Bears to adjourn the meeting, second and five. Vice President Carabiello, Clerk Herbies, please come along. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven affirmative. Adjourned. The negative. The motion passes. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Good night. Be safe and healthy. Yes.